I gotta read these things first. That'd be ideal. What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 54 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I'm your master of the materia, Alex Arona. I have all the materia. We're starting March off with a bang this month, with we're having a month of guests. But first, with me this week as always, is the Final Fantasy fanboy, Joel DeWitt. Quick Joel, who wins in a fight, Vivi or Cecil. You're killing off important characters. Tina wins. She's like the Kirby of Final Fantasy. Our other host and chocobo, Eric Getty Gettinger's computer died without a Phoenix Downs. So, it's fortunate this week we start with special guest of the month and a returning guest as always, Moogle expert, Stephen Dvorak. Welcome back, Steve. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here tonight, everyone. Alex, I heard that you hate Final Fantasy VII. I love Final Fantasy VII. That's not true. Do you know what a Moogle is, Steve? No, I was trying to, like, shoehorn in some sort of uh, Harry Potter joke in there, but I thought you guys would just be offended. Kind of, yeah. If you wouldn't, I would. Isn't Moogle a search engine? No, that's uh, <laughs> No, it's a fighting engine. Wait, no, that's Mugen. Okay, also, to really push the guest fest, we have my Chocobro uh, and my big brother, Guardian of the Sacred Crystals, Philip Arona. Hey, Phil. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, always welcome. Hey, guys, ask Genova. <laughs> oh, that's good. good. That's good. All right, let's kick it into high gear here. Which gear? I, I, I don't know cars. <laughs> that's my area. I think fourth is usually pretty high, but but maybe fifth if your car is really fast. And You could have told me seven and I would have said sure. like super extra fast. The Fast and the Furious cars have like 18 shifts. Yes, that's true. Um, Phil, is that, right, so is this, that a verifiable fact? Yeah, if you, you, uh, no, if you watch how many times they shift in Fast and the Furious, yeah, it's like six, seven, eight, nine times. It's ridiculous. Maybe their cars I'm, have like a truck gearbox in it. I'm really out of my depth here. <laughs> Double clutching. <laughs> Joel, we thought that it would be a short episode. Never. <laughs> Not granny shifting Poor when he Joel. should. He's never going to get to go to bed. Nope. He's just going to have to go straight what? to work tomorrow. What? What is sleep? This week, we talk about all-important Final Fantasy VII Remake demo, solve some murders in the backlog blog, and try to see how many times we can say Randy Pitchford in the news. Lastly, we talk about some IRL adventures, but first, early adopters, where we play alphas, betas, and obviously a demo we've all been waiting for, Final Fantasy VII The Remake Demo. We all took a look at this. We saw it. Everybody did their homework. I'm looking at you, Joel. Joel, did you do your homework? Yes, sir. Good. There we go. Okay, so the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo came out. And I have a question. Y'all like Final Fantasy XV? I think that would play better if Getty were here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think, speaking on behalf of Getty, yes. There we go. (laughs) So Final Fantasy VII, a traditional turn-based PlayStation 1 game has been remade to look beautiful and everything is is amazingly rendered three you know more block block shading and and weird awkward cloud characters now we see the smooth textures everything looks good but the combat system has been made to feel a lot like Final Fantasy 15 
Steve, you've never played Final Fantasy VII or XV. What did you think of this demo? That's a great question. Uh, I actually was thinking about it, and I think the only Final Fantasy game that I've played of my own accord, like sat down, had the controller in my hand, I was the one playing it, was Final Fantasy I, which is my favorite, of course. Um, so I thought this demo was... I mean, I know that, oh, I should say, it looks great. You know, and I, I, I kind of remember that about the original game, is that for its time, at least, um, the cutscenes and everything, it was just, like, eye-popping. And, of course, it has that really epic story that's uh, that was really engrossing for people. You don't get that in the demo, but it's a familiar... Um, first sequence, like I kind of remember little bits and details about uh, what went on. The demo was fine. I played it for like 15 minutes or so and then it crashed. And since you can't save, I just had to start over again. Oof. Okay. Um, and I made it all the way to the boss but couldn't kill him. Uh, and that's where I kind of see your beef with the combat system. Um, I think the turn-based is a little bit more chill uh, to me because you could kind of take your time doing things. And so, yeah, my my really my one complaint is not so much the combat system itself, but when you have to control more than one character in real time, I th I think I find it a little bit tedious. It's just kind of gets to be too many things going on and I get lost in the shuffle. And so when mm -hmm. you have something as uh, complicated as the boss battle when you're in the reactor, um, you know, it just, it's like, uh, do I really, like, it's starting to feel a little bit like work. You know what I mean? It's, I can see where you're coming from, especially considering that it's a lot of hacking and slashing just to fill a bar so you can... That was the thing, is that you can't even use a potion until your, your combat, your swings, your attacks are building up the active time bar that is making it so that you can then use a spell or an item or use a special move like a limit break, which is, you know, your braver attack, which was from the game originally. I, I, I The combat was fine. I, it's more the fact of that to build up that bar, there isn't a whole lot besides just hacking and slashing over and over again. Well, and, you know, that is to sort of compensate for, in the turn-based system, if you wanted to use a potion, it would have occupied part of your turn. Whereas yes. in this, you have to build up the bar, but the actions are instantaneous. So, I mean, I think that, that it's like the answer to that so that you can't just keep throwing down potions and spells rapid fire. Now, Joel, Joel, did you have any problems with the combat? Were you able to defeat the boss? I was. I, I got through the entire demo. Okay. Okay. Uh, the boss was more challenging than I expected. Uh, I'll give it that. The other thing that I would say is that, I, you know, I, I experienced some of the same problems you guys did. What I will say is I felt it was less egregious playing as Cloud than it was as Barrett. Because for Barrett, it's very straightforward. You either 
hold down the shoot arm gun button or you once it's charged use that bitch shot or once you fill the gauge to be able to do other options you had your lightning spell which was effective against this taint thing and or items for cloud he had different stance he had two different stances for his sword attacks so he had more of an, an action-y kind of mobile one where it was light attacks and then you could hit triangle and switch to a more heavy stance that would do more punishing blows and stuns and things so I, I found a little bit more strategy in the action when playing as cloud for that reason but there, there are also parts where you had to switch to barrett because they would be like turrets up above you or a little robots floating around that you couldn't hit with a sword so it definitely forces you to swap side by side uh i i read somewhere that you can actually in the menu choose a play style for the second character yes so that that's kind of akin to final fantasy 12 right where you could sort of like set pre-make options where you're you're gonna set the cpu controlling let's say barrett to favor towards using magic when they can or favor towards using uh general attacks or act more as a support unit and be generous with the healing and stuff so i suspect that maybe that would help mitigate some of the issues that say maybe you had steve playing this uh maybe but i i will also say though i didn't learn that until after i got done playing <laughs> so the the demo did not do a good job teaching that to you in, in spite of actually i think the demo being fairly comprehensive up to a certain point yeah i mean they throw a lot of of tutorial pop-ups at you but it, it and i part of it is just me i find that games where it's like a party type of game mm-hmm. as in you you are part of a party but everything works in real time and you kind of have to switch back and forth and, you know, only under certain circumstances can you kind of freeze time to organize what you're doing. To me, I just, like, I kind of wanted to just stay as Cloud, that kind of thing. I I think part of it is that for me, where it's like, I haven't really played a game where you do that a lot, so it's like I'm trying to remember to block or dodge or change stances but then i have to switch and then like i'm just switching back and forth to use potions because when you switch off of one guy they just go you know whatever and take a bunch of damage it it is true that it weirdly is it's a very actiony battle system but you're also having to sort of micromanage all these little other things including your party members and trying to monitor both their health and and trying to juggle these things all at once uh, I think in some ways I feel like it feels pretty true to the original battle system though. Like the the active time battle meter where it kind of limits when you can use items. That that feels true to the DNA of what the original battle system is. It, it just it feels similarly to like well waiting there until the gauge fills until it's clouds turn to do a move, you know. Uh but I definitely agree. It it adds a bit of extra complication that is kind of a high barrier to get accustomed to. I mean, I think it's a system that's like for gamers. I feel like it's more of a like a hardcore gamers kind of system. Did you now, just call me a hardcore gamer? How dare you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil? Yes. 
we haven't heard too much from you. What did what did you think of this demo? Did you the the new action combat? Do you feel like it's it's a welcome breath of fresh air? Or do you feel like it's it's uh, changing something? You know, as someone who's basically played the game several times over back in the old uh, PlayStation One days, and then played the remake on or the re-releases on PSP and all the various other places that they've put it out, you know, it's, it's good that they didn't just rehash it. They put the effort in to create something fresh and new, but still tell the same story with the same characters in the same setting. And what I'm liking so far is they're giving more character development to people like Jesse, who seems to really be on clouds tip this time around, (laughs) or I'm even more so than the original, (laughs) um, yeah, game here, uh, that they're, adding on um, more character development and a lot more dialogue for people you didn't get it for uh, the first time around. Yeah, I feel like they added a lot of those little interstitial scenes. I I feel like they even conveyed the characters' personalities really well for such a short span of time, too. Like, Cloud Cloud is very aloof, very uninterested in the... Uh, grand scheme of things of what Avalanche is trying to do there uh, and they gave him more dialogue without seeming overly harsh about it because one thing I remember distinctly when I first played Final Fantasy 7 uh, when I was a young teenager what <laughs> was that like Cloud is very very standoffish and almost abrasive in the original game towards everyone at the start and and this time it there's a little more nuance in the writing and the reactions they give people that feel more natural. And, and I, I really appreciate that part of it. Well, and there's something to be said for the fact that it's not all just text. You're uh, getting some voice, you know? Yeah, and Roblox looking like characters and, and being real yeah. <laughs> humanoid-looking things with expressions and stuff, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, the last time we saw Cloud in a fully realized 3D environment... Uh, there was only two places, which was the side story on on Vita, PSP or Vita, and in that you barely see him at all. It's more Zack oriented. That and was Crisis Core. Crisis Core, and then Advent Children, where he's it seems like almost like a Neo character, where he's too cool for school, wearing sunglasses, and it's kind of a badass silent protagonist. And I don't, I mean, I, of course, like Cloud on a motorcycle is cool, but. I don't need him like that the entire way because then he has he's no he's one dimensional, and I think that I was like I'm excited to see Cloud start from the beginning again and watch him in in a fully 3D environment with voice acting and again it gives him a, more of a depth in a way that we haven't necessarily seen him except for just through text. I mean, to be fair, in Evan Children, he was that that was post Endgame of Final Fantasy VII, so like he was a world beater. Yeah, <laughs> at that of point. course, so of like, course. I would feel kind of like a badass <laughs> if I survived those events. Yeah. Well, and and not for not, I loved Cloud. I like I loved Advent Children. I bought it. I still I still watch it. But I watched it last week. With I'm the just boys. saying. Yeah. So I'm excited to see something. This is the the origins redone. Mm-hmm. But the I came here with problems with this demo and with this game in general, and I I just want to put it out there that. This to me is is like Breath of the Wild, where I wasn't. Breath of the Wild isn't necessarily a game for me, but I will never downplay its automatic achievements for what it did, 
and this thing as well is an is an achievement for sure. But I don't, and I, I'm gonna buy this game. I'm gonna play this game 100. <laughs> yep. percent I'll I'll throw it out there. But I just this game they're saying it's gonna be like 40 hours, but this is possibly a third or even just a quarter of the full game. I think that's my only problem with this is they're releasing it in episodes. But to that point, when you said uh, Crisis Core, that's what I was thinking when I was uh, watching the battle system. And I mean, obviously, 15, that's the closest thing we have to this battle system right now. But we've seen them yeah. pull pull this off in this environment in Crisis Core before. Yeah, that's that's true. But I really liked that. That was another problem I had with this. And again, I'm just sound like a negative Nancy here, but people didn't like Final Fantasy 15. And I love that one. I thought it was fantastic, and the hate kind of bothered me. So now then Final Fantasy VII comes out, and the combat system reminds me very heavily, if not the same. It just it seems a little weird that all of a sudden now everyone's like, oh, man, this battle system's great. It's like, oh, yeah, we should have played Final Fantasy XV. Absolutely. So, yeah, to me, this when we were kids, like this game was so huge. It, it's yeah. like sort of legendary. And yeah. I did check it out. This is like the best, I mean, the original release was the best-selling Final Fantasy game to date, uh, according to the internet. And so, it kind of becomes a question, and this is like games, this is movies, but when they do a remake of something that has this, like, legendary status, there's always the, like, do they try to mix it up and, like, offer something new, change something up? so that it's fresh or do they try to sort of uh appease the video game gatekeepers who you know want it because i think there's there's gonna be a group of people who just they just want final fantasy 7 again just like looking different um and you know they've obviously gone the route of of also like fundamentally changing up how the game works uh, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, it, it's sort of like, could we be the, are we now the old guys like shaking our fists at the clouds? Like, <laughs> where's my Final Fantasy VII? What, give me, <laughs> give me my Final Fantasy VII. No. <laughs> Hashtag not my seven. Not my seven. Not my cloud. I, you know, it, it it seems like they're kind of trying to straddle that line. And I feel like it's pretty blatant in how they've got the turn-based style of play or the active style of play as an option in this. Uh, it is going to be pretty straightforwardly following the same story arc, but they're uh, increasing the depth of how much you're going to be able to explore in Midgar this first portion of the the game that spanned through the first disc did the first disc end on midgar or yes it did okay all right so like it a lot of this is obviously too short too early to tell but my my thoughts are that like it's going to try to please both audiences and even when it comes to the active battle system like it's fine. I, I think I think it is going to be acceptable. I even found through the demo by the end of it, and maybe part of it was because of how long the boss lasted, that I was I was getting a little tired of it already. So like that's yeah. that's probably yeah, exactly. my con- that's kind of my concern about thinking about 
if this game is going to be 40 hours, maybe more, if you try to explore every nook and cranny, am, am I going to want to go through that long of playing these protracted battles that seemingly take 15 to 20 minutes depending on how efficient you are at managing all these systems and i don't know and if you die towards the end get ready to start it over completely right (laughs) exactly yeah final fantasy 15 they had a bonus boss that only was available after you beat the game and he he it was needed for the platinum trophy which I, i platinum final fantasy 15 and it was Adamantois, a popular Final Fantasy character, uh, villain, but that it was a turtle, but he was an entire mountain, and that fight took four to five hours. Woof. I mean, I kept, having to, I I kept having to pause. I appreciate the ambition of that, but... <laughs> and um... I, I, I kept having to pause, and then I would put the PlayStation in sleep mode, come back two days later, and start it, and then be like, okay, where was I? Got it. He's only a third of his health. Keep going. Bill, did you fight that boss? Adamantois? No. So that would it, definitely be like the ruby weapon for Final yeah. Fantasy VII. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, you know, I could see them doing that again. And so, um, yeah, like the question of of sticking to the old or adding the new, from a developer's perspective, has got to be a real bitch. Because <laughs> after, like, participating in gaming communities to some extent recently, like... The gaming community is just always pissed off. And I feel... (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like people are going to be... There's going to be a group of people that are going to be really pissed about it. Actually, uh, I haven't seen that yet. The only thing I've seen is... It's funny enough. I've seen fans just open the menu and then just start bawling their eyes out. That's pretty intense. I... So, as someone who never really got to sit down and play the original myself i was Mm. kind of interested in this but on the note of just what joel was saying about the combat system getting like kind of tired real fast i don't know if i will i want to have the experience but i don't know if i have the patience to 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 deal with all that yeah yeah Yeah. that that's what brings me on the fence because i technically have this pre-ordered but like after this, I'm thinking about if I hold off, am I able to, like, maybe I should try the Final Fantasy 15 game that Alex sent me last year sometime and, and, yeah. and just see how I feel, how that tracks over time. And by the and, time you get back to 7, it might be down to 20 bucks. Exactly. And, and I mean, like, at that rate. Or if, I, I might have beaten it and then sent that to you. Also that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I'm, I'm mulling over it, especially coupled with, like, Animal Crossing's coming up. I'm going to be lost in that for a while. And I'm going to have to get two copies because Kelly's going to want to play two. And I'm glad that you just finally admitted that you're going to be playing Animal Crossing a bunch. I mean... I didn't know that was a question. You, Joel's you, been you might be, hyped on Animal Crossing. Ste- Steve might need to join you for a few more weeks coming a month from now. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Fine. I'll be Joel... Well, I'm Joel Pro Temp. Yep. Uh, Phil, did you have any last thoughts on Final Fantasy VII Remake? Uh, I'm actually excited. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. Uh, I do kind of dread having to, play, having to play another 40 to 50 hours of Final Fantasy just, you know, because the boss, the, the fights, the boss fights, it, all, it can all be a little tedious. But, I mean, honestly, I, I am looking forward to it. 
I, I just I gotta hammer home one more time the fact that this is a part one is a real bummer. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, so are they going to charge like, 60 bucks for each installment then? Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. And, and like so you're looking concern- at like almost a $200 game. Well, not only that, but like this isn't like a movie where they've planned it out to have a release every year until it's done. Like the this thing took what? Th- 4 years to get to Probably this longer. point. Yeah, it, it's absurd. Like the, it got announced early on in the PlayStation 4 life cycle and now we're four plus years on. They're finally about to release. I mean, yes, they've got the foundation to maybe build upon, but I don't have faith in Square Enix to have a quick turnaround for the next part of this. So yeah, that's that's a reasonable concern. And by then, it's going to be a PlayStation po- Five title. Yep. Yeah, and then the other part about it is that they have been known to cancel things early. Final Fantasy Fifteen, they took out, ch- they they omitted chunks of the story to add on as dlc a character would just leave and then be like i'll be right back and then they'd be gone for a full like four hours and then they would come back and be like oh i'm back from my thing and they never address it and then they'd be dlc where they address what happened (laughs) that's real i find that pretty funny yeah it is no it was it was like hey i gotta go to the bathroom real quick and and then steve died on the way back to his home planet (laughs) (laughs) so then they had six or seven DLCs, and they had three more planned to make it an ex- a very large number. And they never, they just, they canceled it. They said not enough people are buying it. We're done. I, I mean, I will say, in defense of this game, they've already got the template of the story and the main characters. So, like, if somebody gets yeeted off of the game, it should at least be <laughs> somebody who's not consequential. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, they're also giving Butterfinger DLC, so I don't know how much I love that. Ooh, I did read up on that. What I, if the Buster Sword was just a giant Butterfinger? Uh, that would be amazing. What if I'm they gave you a Bart Simpson alt con- uh, costume? Also mm. amazing. Bart Simpson wielding a Butterfinger? Nobody better lay a <laughs> finger on my penis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> okay. Well, Phil, I guess that can probably be arranged if that's what you really want. <laughs> okay. Well, watch as I take control of Steve to hit the brake. You better be worth all the money, Merc. Every gill. <laughs> well, Simmer down, a... hot shot. <laughs> See, it's like I have a Steve like voice. I have like a voice button. I can just press a button, and then Steve says something. Yeah, you pull the string sticking out of my back. Now, Steve, I'm gonna press this button, and then you say, "Let's go to break." Let's go to the break. There's a lot going on with this coronavirus, but that's not going to stop me from trying to hold your hand. Going to give the news that coronavirus. Hell yeah. Woo! <laughs> I was waiting for someone to make that reference, and no one has made it yet. 
Dude, I've been hanging on to that. That joke's been in my back pocket for like four weeks. Good. That's good. All right, so news. We actually have a heavy news week. Uh, But first thing first, we're going to start with some Borderlands news. New Borderlands DLC called A Marriage... uh, Was it A of Love and Tentacles? I've seen enough anime to know where this is going. Yeah, I don't like this one one bit. Wait, really? Steve... What this is obviously about? my favorite piece of news because I'm the <laughs> resident Borderlands fanboy. Um, and uh, I'm, I actually hadn't watched the trailer until today. Um, but I'm pretty hyped on this. They, they really have been delivering with the content for that game. They've been doing a lot of the freebie, like, week-long events. The holidays have been fun. And the first DLC ended up being pretty awesome. Um, you know, they're they're mixing it up. And naturally, you know, people have been wondering, you know, what characters are going to return or who are they going to use in the DLC. And um, some of the characters in the main game were kind of annoying, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and... Uh, these two, so Hammerlock and Wainwright uh, Jacobs, are probably the best part of the game, narratively. So I think it was a good choice by them to choose those two. Um, they had the funniest parts. That like that was the really funny part of Borderlands 3 was Wainwright and uh, Hammerlock. And, you know, Gearbox does this thing where they'll throw in other wacky, seemingly disparate elements such as HP Lovecraft. But they make it work a lot, so I have faith Mm -hmm. that they will. And then they're bringing back Gage from Borderlands 2, which it seems like, you know, kind of, you know, a lot of people's favorite character. That was actually my favorite uh, Vault Hunter to play in that game. That was the one that I mained. So, um... Uh, they've been really consistently delivering with good content and upgrades and things like that. I haven't felt shortchanged by any of the stuff that they've put out. So, I you know, I think this is big news. And they, at PAX East, they dropped a bunch of other news about revamping the endgame difficulty and a lot of other stuff that they've been working on. Uh, and it all just seems on the up and up. You know, the game had a lot of technical problems at the outset and still has some, but they've been consistently listening to what people want, changing things up, making things better. So I- I'm stoked. I mean, so I mean, it, gl- sounds, it sounds like if you like the core gameplay of Borderlands 3, that they're just giving you more of that, which is what I'm guessing fans of the series really want, right? Yeah, yeah, and people are really always salivating for like, oh, I want to see this old character come back again. Who are they going to bring back from from the second game? That's a big question. There's a lot of the old Vault Hunters that people like really want to see. Um, you know, if you haven't played Borderlands 3, they take some of the Vault Hunters from 2 and then kind of make them into more main characters. Uh, which is what they did in 2 with the characters from 1, and so it's kind of carried all the way through. So people, I think, are are most of all excited about um, seeing 
old characters that maybe you they were playable but didn't have a narrative role come back and actually participate in a narrative capacity. And in the shenanigans. And in the shenanigans. And then, of course, uh, new legendaries to grind. Because the grind never stops. It never stops, Steve. It's true. So I'm glad that you really like the full package of what you've purchased, including like DLC season pass stuff. I mean, I don't know how much more is left, but it sounds like they've done quite a bit already. Yeah, I mean, I think they are slated for two more DLC after this upcoming one. That's a good that's a good amount of content, I think. Yeah. And I mean they're also adding the free raids and things like that. Um so they're they're adding a lot of new stuff that's free for everybody, but uh whenever they have a big announcement, it's usually something pretty cool. People even get really excited when they release patch notes. Hmm. Okay. Next piece of news, Joel, do you want to read this one? Yeah, a uh, Borderlands movie update, a bet update. Uh, Alex is about to lose 40 bucks to me, so I've... Good news for me. I thought it was 30. Well, now it's 60. You keep it up, it'll be 100. Oh, God, no. (laughs) I'll have to explain this to Beth. So, wait, what was the bet? That Borderlands would not come out for four years. When's it supposed to come out? Uh, Supposedly, they're starting production relatively soon. And Eli so Roth pro- is definitely the director. Yeah. And then uh, Randy Pitchford is producing it, I believe. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> it doesn't For need sure. to be a good movie. It just needs to exist. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what they're thinking. This is going to be... I'll jump in on this bet, and if this move, movie's anything but terrible, I will eat my shoe. <laughs> Ooh... Ooh, now this bet. Oh, man, you put that on record. I, You know, I don't know if you should be betting your soul on that. (laughs) 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 All right, next piece of news. Uh, Phil, do you want to read this one? So it looks like Levi's is going to be collaborating with Nintendo on a Mario-branded denim. What? How many pairs have you (laughs) pre-ordered? Oh, they have not allowed pre-orders yet, but I would they would rival my Amiibo collection if I uh, <laughs> got my way. I'm going to pick up a nice pair of overalls. Are you, your kids all going to have come on, some pretty slick uh, jean jackets with uh, Mario and some stars and fire flowers and mushrooms? I think I saw that they have coins coming out of the pockets. Yep. Oh, uh, that's baller. Pretty, pretty slick Mario fanny pack. Mm-hmm. You got to get the Mario jean jacket. All right, sleeves ripped off, so it's a vest, and it's just a big Goomba on the back. Yeah. That's how to let everybody know you're a badass. Phil, you getting these for the boys? Um, thinking about it. Uh, just wondering how much is, how much more is it gonna cost over you know a regular pair of jeans or overalls, and you're gonna upcharge us thirty bucks because it's got like you know a Mario print on the rear end. Yeah, they're definitely going to add yeah. like 30 bucks. You, you, you're <laughs> looking at over fair, 100 a pair. Yeah. To be fair, it's better when they than the the one where they did Coach and Naruto crossover where a tote bag cost 100 bucks. Wasn't that done by Michael B. Jordan? Uh, yes, he was that. Guy. You know, what I love about this article is that uh, the icon at the top of the page has Mario in it from 
uh, Smash Brothers Brawl, and in their reveal, they did like a, a scan of all the characters from Melee and showing how they look from Melee switching to Brawl. And Mario, main difference from Melee to Brawl is that they gave Mario's overalls a denim style. <laughs> Like a material look, like that's literally the only real difference that they showed. I thought it looked that way in Odyssey for some reason. No, they went back towards the more uh, plain blue kind of look, if I recall right. Well, be careful, fellas. You get those Mario jeans, all the ladies are gonna be checking you out. Oh, you'll be laying pipe, Mm -hmm. all right. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, next piece of news. Uh, as of today, The Last of Us is becoming a series on HBO by the director of the show Chernobyl and uh, I think Neil Druckmann, the guy behind The Last of Us, is heavily involved. That'd actually be good because Chernobyl was actually pretty darn good. I will say this. As much as I like to hate on the prospect of video game movies, um, HBO has done a really good job with their shows. Uh, I think The Last of Us, um, the idea behind the narrative is flexible enough. And with a good director, that could be a really good show. I, I haven't seen it yet, but people have been loving The Witcher. So I could see um, Last of Us making for a great TV show. I also think that Joel and Elias characters, like the way they look are plain enough to where you could get an actor that looks close enough to the general makeup of their character, and it shouldn't bother people too much if they're not exactly like the way they looked at the game. Like, yeah, Joel, exactly. Joel is just like a late middle-aged guy who is scruffy, and uh, Ellie Where's is just flannel? like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no Mario on it, but uh, <laughs> oh, cross promotion. But yeah. Yeah, and just, Ellie is like a young teenage girl. I mean, yes. it's it's yeah, it has a lot of potential. I always just find it funny that The Last of Us was based on The Road, which they also made a movie of. So it's a game based on a book that also had a movie. Now getting a TV show. That's the circle of life. That or the snake eating its own tail. Next, next we'll get a video game based on the series, The Human Centipede of crossover media. Man, you guys are. You guys are rough today. <laughs> I'm a little punchy tonight. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, last piece of news. Skater XL coming to PS4, but Session is going to the new Xbox. Uh, yeah, so that's I thought that was just interesting because Skater XL and Session are in the competitive field of trying to make these ultra-realistic skateboarding the next, the next iteration on the skate game where the sticks are the controls and we've talked about skater XL in a previous early adopters, but it's, it's cool to see that they, Oh, they're picking sides now. So either you could say, Oh, they're versing each other and seeing who's is better. But also it's just, if you want to play one of those hyper-realistic skater games, it doesn't matter. Pick a console. You're all good. Was session always going to be multi-platform before this or just, I, I thought I recalled session being at least, on an Xbox stage when it was announced. Uh, I don't know if it was ever supposed to be uh, multi-platform, but I, I just, the news came out that like, oh, Session is going to be on Xbox, and it was on that stage. Gotcha. Uh, it says it would also be on Steam. 
Well, I mean, it is on Steam right now, so yes, it will be on Steam. But right, I mean, exclusivity anymore seems to be like console plus PC. I'm guessing it's just the practical reality of what these businesses have to do to make sure their game is profitable. I can definitely see that. Now, while we were talking, I just I don't feel really well. I just started getting fevers, body aches, sneezing. Uh, let's break from the news. Uh, Steve, how worried should I be about this coronavirus thing? I don't know. I was going to use my coronavirus joke at the end of this part, but I blew it on the intro, so now I really don't know what to say. Well, well, oh, okay, from, from what we know in the news, somebody at Amazon contracted the virus. So if we, we order in the next half hour, we could probably have it by Saturday. Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> with the backlog blog where routine traffic stops turn into bloodbaths that's right we're talking cop stuff today the police first game i want to i'm bringing to the table is a game called her story the reason i played her story is because i'm in a constant now game of trying to shame joel into beating games so now i have picked several indies that roughly take about two hours a piece and i will continue to beat them in his face so alex what is her story Okay, uh, I'll tell you about her story. I just want to bring that out there for Joel. <laughs> no, I'm completely unfazed. Go on. Okay, cool. Her story is an FMV game for full motion video. The crux of it is that you are, a, I think, a police officer, and you're given this old computer terminal where... It has created. They have they have cut down this these seven interviews into clips into ten to thirty second clips, and they put it in this database, and it's interviewing one person, this one lady, and your job is to watch the clips, but you can't really watch them in order. You have to search the database, and it will give you only five clips. If you search for murder, you'll get five clips with someone says murder. And you, that's the only way you can watch them. So you have to keep searching the database. And someone's like, oh, yeah, that's when she met Simon. You're like, well, I'm now going to search Simon. You search Simon, you get five more clips. Sometimes it's only two clips. And you can see whether you've watched it before or not. And you have to search the database and get p- bits and pieces of these seven interviews and try to put the story together yourself as to what you think happened. And it, after a certain point, the game literally just pops up and it says, hey, you got all the information you need? And you can just hit yes, and then it's credits. So you don't even technically have to do anything besides try to piece together the story. Interesting. You know, the, the, the bits of gameplay, like when you're typing into a terminal and trying to piece together clues of of like a murder mystery, that's very, very similar to uh, one of the gameplay pieces in Snatcher. Uh, as, uh, I don't know if you've ever played Snatcher. It's one of Kojima's earlier games. And um, you're a detective trying to solve a murder or, uh, or several murders and kidnappings of people uh, by literally body snatchers that are uh, robots. And one of the gameplay uh, pieces is you have a uh, like a supercomputer where you'll, you can type in a name and it'll g- 
give you that person's information. And uh, you could actually like have somebody in a conversation mention somebody's name or something. And then you're like, oh, I don't know who that is. And you could type them into the supercomputer and it'll bring up information on that person. It just really reminded me of that. Yes. Now, that all sounds kind of interesting. And you guys are kind of like, well, that seems like a lot. Here is what kind of stands it out. You find out. I'm going to put spoilers out there for you. Uh, in case you guys, ever, unless you want to play so this So, spoiler game, alert. Yep, spoiler alert. They're, 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 it's not one lady. They're twins. On top of that, throughout the story, they can, they talk about how the first like 20 years of their lives, they spend uh, splitting up as like the same person. So, one person would go to school Monday, then the other sister would go to school Tuesday and, and flipping over and over again. And then, if you look deeper, there are clues to show that the person you're talking to isn't the person you think it is. It's the sister. What a twist. What does... Yeah, so, is, is the acting, like, playing it serious, or is it doing hammy? No, it's actually like, pretty uh, serious. They, they're, it's they're it's rocking, very serious. They're okay. rocking the British accents. <laughs> Uh, all right, oh, yeah. I, I, I asked because like FMV games have a kind of sordid history <laughs> about like oh, yeah. what what level of quality they are, uh, what kind of seriousness you should take with it. Even like recent stuff, uh, I can't. The shape shifting detective was one I played, and, and yes. you know the the conceit of that was very. I mean, the conceit was played seriously, but like the acting was very hammed up and very like uh, self-aware about how they were almost playing it to a serious to a point where it was absurd. Mm-hmm. And then you had something like Late Shift, which felt more like in action, like a uh, sort of like daytime TV drama. You know, like it's still kind of low quality, but it was clear that people were trying to play it straight. Very night trapish. Yes, and <laughs> I, I like FMV games. I'm starting to play more of them. I think as I, I think, or I think I started playing a night shift to because you you suggested it, Joel, and I really had a good time. Yeah. So like, uh, not for broadcast was excellent, and her story is legitimately like I, I was like, okay, this is two hours. I'm just gonna sit here and kind of clutch it around and i even looked up online that if you go in this order you can find the interviews in an order and then i was like well i'll have this on the side just in case and i just started like clicking and then i'd like well hold on she said this she said pregnancy so i want to know about that but she also mentioned simon and i don't know who that is hold on and i like all of a sudden i brought out a notebook and i'm like okay i gotta write these down because i want to remember what to search for and then it, it, by the end, like two and a half hours had gone by. I didn't even look at the guide at all. And then I was like, well, it's asking me if I'm done. Let me search two more things. Hold on. And then I finally look at the guide and I'm like, oh, I've already searched all of this. Like there's no, I know what's happening. I know how it went. I kind of have, I have 90% of the story in my brain of what happened. And I felt happy enough to say like, okay, I know what happened. So it makes you fall so down a rabbit it, hole. It, it, it does, and it draws you in, and by the end, you're like, man, that is a, that is a bonkers. It's it's so cool that the sisters would always flip back and forth, and the mother gave up one one sister when they were born, and then they saw each other because they lived across the street, 
and then they started realizing like the, the twins and then they start flipping and all this crazy stuff happens there's a murder and yeah and the acting is very good you said the game is about two hours long roughly yes so it, be honest how well developed did you feel like all of this was what was your experience because you're describing a lot of stuff and a lot of uh, you know with this like kooky twist kind of thing like oh they're twins which one is it i don't know i i mean did they really did they take it all the way home within the two hours yes and the thing about it is that they're twins and them switching spaces and you get you get the full story but there is more hidden in it because uh if you look what at one point the main character drinks tea but then sometimes she drinks coffee and you'll see like that's a that's a hint that one is the other one you know it's like oh this is sister a this is sister b and each time it's just hints it doesn't blatantly just tell you so unless you're really paying attention you could just go through the whole story and not even get that oh the person they're interviewing is actually not the person they're saying it's the sister so they're they're purposely messing with the police as well and that's that's where like i'm saying is that it's a lot going on it sounds kooky but it's played very well and the acting is done very well and it doesn't spit it out like i was i was like well you know it's fun whenever i see a movie that has a lot of theories and crazy stuff happening i will like and you know that steve we've watched a movie and then i'm like i gotta google all these theories and i did and half of the theories were like man oh you know it's the same person but they got a split personality and i'm like that's not correct but you can grab whatever theory you want and because the game is so smart and ambiguous but gives you enough information to kind of lead you down these different paths to like guess and figure out I want to throw out one, like, really basic question, because I watched the trailer for this game. How yes. do you, the player, interface with the game? What do you do? It looks to be a Windows 2000 PC, and it has the prompt in front of you that has search, and you hit this, and it's, it's a start menu. You can go to the start menu and change the clocks around. You can change the background picture. You can put on music. You can do whatever, because it just looks, just looks like a very old PC and your mouse and then you click on the search button and you hit search in the database and it gives you five clips that's it hmm you'll have to come over and check it out sometime because again it's a rabbit hole where you just start and then it just you all of a sudden you're like oh i i need a pen and paper i gotta figure this out and at one point there's i don't know dude the last time i came over i played papers please and that's gonna be very hard to top <laughs> we should have talked about that one this week we'll talk about it another week me and you papers please but i think that Again, it just it puts you down this rabbit hole of conspiratorial thinking, and by the end of it, it's like, oh man, that was that's a that was a cool story that I never, I didn't I went in there thinking, okay, I just kind of want to knock this out because it's on my backlog, but I really enjoyed her story. Now, Steve, I heard you did not like a thrilling cop drama. Speaking of games that feel like you're at work. <laughs> We call them work likes. Um, have all three of you guys played L.A. Noir? It's yes. been quite a while, but same yeah. here. Uh, I have a PlayStation right. Three. Phil, what was your favorite part of L.A. Noir? Oh, uh, I think my favorite and 
also simultaneously the part I hated the most. I just I liked the idea, but it was the interviews. The fact that you had to pick up on context clues when interviewing people and, you know, try to pick up on quirks and ticks on people to, to try to understand if they were telling you the truth. And that whole bit right there, I'd always think of Wu-Tang when they were talking about Inspector Deck. He's that cat that'll watch you, play yourself and all that. You see you sit there and know you're lying, he'll take you to court after that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they should have licensed that Wu-Tang track you for know? the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel, what I, was your favorite part of L.A. Noir? I seem to recall my favorite part being like there are these chase sequences, <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't on foot or in car or both on foot, <laughs> the on foot chases. Like it, it's, I, there are things I liked about the game, but my overall experience was kind of sour. Uh, but like this was one of those unintentionally funny kind of things where there are these on chase scenes on foot and it would always seem to be kind of an abrupt switch to going straight to that. Like no, no, it wasn't like a seamless transition. It was like a very janky, like just all of a sudden you're chasing. And then I seem to recall stumbling quite a bit. Uh, the other thing I liked a lot was you can choose to play the game in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really cool thing. So like pretty early on Kelly and I switched to that and it, it definitely ups the noir vibe to it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but you might even have more options in the remaster. Like you could play it at sepia tone or something like that. I think that might be new. I don't recall that in the original. No, I don't. Yeah. Alex, what was your favorite part of L.A. Noir? Uh, for me, it was the the interviews, but it was all and the when you're at the crime scene and you have to look for all the clues. The interviews always I would always get frustrated though because once you kind of screw the pooch and say the wrong question at the wrong time, the person's like, "Well, I'm done here," and you're like, "Well." That's why I said it was simultaneously my favorite and most irritating part. Like I, I loved it and I hated it at the same time because yeah, you screw up once and that's it, you're done. You know, like, uh, now I gotta read. But I liked it. having the, cl- I like the clues system because then you could bring them up in the interviews and be like, "Well, we got the glove." But yeah. All right. So here's my here's my hot take. I I wouldn't say, at least at the outset, um, I didn't hate this game, um, and. When I'm playing a Rockstar game, I guess I'm always thinking of it in in the GTA context. I actually looked it up because I was thinking like, when did this come out relative to GTA Three, the the GTA that made GTA a thing and made it become the new standard bearer for uh, you know politicians criticizing video games for excessive. Yeah, I think violence. it came out after three, um, but before four. Three came out in two thousand one. L.A. Noir came out in twenty eleven, yeah, wow. hmm. okay. which I was like, man, I really feel old now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- it was ten years after, and the reason why I bring up that comparison is because I, I remember L.A. Noir being talked about as just sort of the antithesis of GTA in the sense of like, remember when you were, you know, like. Stealing cars and running people over and, like, beating people to death with a baseball bat. Now, now you're on the other side. You're a police officer. 
which I think is is um, maybe not the best comparison, even though in terms of the world, in terms of the structure of the game, the bones of the game, it is <laughs> very much a GTA, where you know the map of LA is very comprehensive. Now, I like I didn't play a lot of the later GTA games, but uh, this map of old time LA is huge. I don't think we covered even a fraction of what you could explore in the city. There were so many locations, and uh, you know, in the spirit of a Rockstar game, they always deliver with something that has a lot of extras. So there's always Easter eggs that are hard to find. Uh, there's cars, you know, there's a list of cars that you can find throughout the game if you go and just, like, uh, start hopping into some cars. It's just narratively or, you know, the idea of the game doesn't really give you an impetus to do that. Yeah, um, I was going to say, Steve, like, one of it surprises me that you're outlining some of, like, the extra stuff you can find in the world because... One distinct memory I have about L.A. Noir is that the open world seemed pointless. Exactly. Like, and, yeah. uh, you know, on that note, while you're doing the missions, of course, you can uh, get more mini-missions over the police radio. You can respond to a call, and they're called street crimes. Um, one of the things that we encountered was uh, whenever... So I played this with Eric... Whenever he was driving, he'd always accept the call. And then we'd look at the map to see where it was. And it took so long to drive across the city that almost all the time, we just didn't do them because it, it seemed to have preloaded street crimes that it would just pick one out of a hat regardless of where you were at the time. And so sometimes they were so far away, it was just like, ah, forget that. So, you know, we didn't really do a lot of those. Hmm. And but yeah, it, it's the, very the, much... The game is about driving you through this narrative. You know what I mean? I, I felt like... And, and maybe it was because of the overall length. Um, we wanted to just keep going on the story missions. And, you know, on that idea, when we started out, it was exciting to do the story missions like we wanted to follow we wanted to get to the next crime uh see the next mystery check out the next crime scene for clues um yeah. i think my favorite part of the game was that first desk so if anyone's listening who doesn't know it's basically divided into four chapters and you're in a different department of the police force each time and you start in traffic crimes which was weird because they were basically homicides. Like, the traffic desk was basically homicides. It was just like, hey, there's a car parked over here. Go check it out. And it's like, oh, there's a dead body in the trunk. Some, <laughs> you know, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Um, I really like what this game did in terms of giving you something to work with as close as they could get it to you actually solving crimes you had the clues to look for you had the people to interview and i think there was probably a good amount of emphasis on the facial features i i can't say 
you know, I've been playing older games and looking at remasters and things like that a lot. And there are just so many old games that I, I remember being very popular or ones that even I thought were awesome. And then you go back and play it and like, oh man, this looks kind of terrible. Whereas at the time that it came out, we would have been like, whoa, this looks amazing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, a, a lot of games don't age well. You know, for example, like, I'm loving Borderlands 3, love 2. I went back and just opened up 2, and I was like, man, this looks horrible. <laughs> uh, so, like, I I don't want to put too much of a judgment on graphics and things like that, but this remaster, the city still had the buildings made out of cardboard look to it yes um and i think that i think it maybe would have looked lo-fi even in 2011 to some extent it did so like Um, that's that's part of what i was talking about with the open world being pointless is that everything seemed like it was cut and pasted out of a template of generic buildings and homes as you're driving along the areas and Really, part of what I look for in an open world game is that you can use the open world as kind of a playground to try to explore and uh, do fun things absent different missions and stuff. And really, for the most part, you're driving along these stretches of road where all the buildings look kind of nondescript and the same, uh, kind of hollow like you mentioned, and there's just nothing that kind of incentivizes you to really go explore and the the toolkit that you're given as this character is just like walk around or drive around and it's not even that enjoyable to go exploring in the area so yeah right that's what i was gonna say like we were never we never felt like exploring you know what i mean yeah um and you know these rockstar games Part of their shtick was, like, giving you something that you could just dive into for a super long time if you really wanted to look for everything. And that's not really what we were going for, but we also didn't really feel like doing that. You know, that's very similar Um, to how I approached uh, L.A. Noir. I made that mistake of trying to think of it as a a Grand Theft Auto-like, but except you're a detective. And I mean, I was just doing some digging. I'm like, I remember it feeling just so completely different and feeling a little more rigid, more stiff in a in, in a world that didn't really encourage um, that open world exploration. And the Rage Engine, which they used for Grand Theft Auto uh, you know, 4, which actually uh, came out a uh, uh, couple of years just before. So I was wrong. So Grand Theft Auto 4 came out a couple of years before L.A. Noir. But they didn't even use the Rage engine. It was like a custom engine with some like uh, Havoc uh, engine physics. So it was completely different from anything else that they had been making at the time. Well, and I mean, if we want to talk about the engine, the physics in L.A. Noir are certainly nothing to write home about. It's very straightforward. The the like transitioning from walking to running, like Joel was talking about the foot chases a lot of that stuff was real clunky. Um, and the gun combat, I wasn't a fan. Um, no, I mean, we, at this point, I think the four of us have played so much high end gun combat type gaming where like Eric could easily sniper someone with the pistol 
Uh, you know what I mean? There's there's no like physics adjustments for distance and accuracy and things yep. like that, which really that itself is not such a big deal to me. I guess um, I want to talk about the sound of of this game. Okay, so Steve and his sound every me and time. Me sound, but uh, I'm not talking so much about the sound design specifically as just the environment of sounds. Um, now, one thing that they had is, like, the music in the car puts you kind of in the Fallout world, where they have a bunch of great old songs playing over the radio that you could listen to, even yeah. though I didn't find us in a place where we were doing it that much. Because when you're driving from one place to another, one of the things in L.A. Noir is uh, you're disincentivized from crashing into people and running people over. But... The behavior of the other drivers and the pedestrians is the same as in the GTA games. So they'll, like, jump in front of your car. People will cut you off or crash into you. Uh, so, it, you know, you always had to have the police siren on so that people would stay out of your way. And, man, and did I get sick of that sound because it was a lot of hours of game and you had that sound going. Ditto for the music that played when you were searching a crime scene it was an, a, a nice idea that they had a specific music at the crime scene so that you would know that you hadn't picked up all the clues yet, but it became just, like, nauseating by the end of the game. I was like, I am really, really sick of this music, and that's, like, the music during the interview passages was kind of had the same effect on me. Um... The system of interviewing, again, I really like the ambition of what they were going for. At I the time, it was it was cutting edge. It, they were trying to do something that had not been done before, and I want to say no one has taken upon themselves to try something like that again and then boast about it. Well, exactly, that's... and they did offer... I honestly think that they really did offer something uh, really neat there. Um... I think the downside was um, there were certain instances where, because you know Eric and I are kind of completionists, so we wouldn't leave a crime scene without finding all the clues. And the system wherein you are questioning someone and you're given the opportunity to accuse them with a piece of evidence in response to a question, there would be times where we would use that mechanic and... Uh, you know, we'd have a piece of evidence that it was just like, the person's name is on this thing. They were for sure at the crime scene at this date and time. And so we would accuse them and use that, and it would be wrong. We were supposed to pick a different item that seemed non-sequitur to what we were talking about. And then we would do another question... And it turns out you were supposed to accuse them with the other piece of the evidence at that one, and it didn't really seem to fit. And we had, like, a one really good piece of evidence that really could have covered all the questions. And so that's, you know, that might sound a little bit nitpicky, but when this is sort of the meat of the game, this is what the game's really offering, sometimes that got a little annoying. And like Joel said, um, you would you could... Once you started to go wrong, you were just really shafted. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I was gonna say is that uh, I looked into after I had say 
boffed a re- an interview and be like, well, man, I'm never going to be able to like solve this crime. And there were chapters because at the end you give kind of like a, they give you a, how did you do? How, did you get they them you to admit grade, the crime yeah. or not? You get like anywhere from one to five stars. Yeah. And I had found that when I looked up guides, it was almost order oriented. You had to ask question three before question four. Otherwise it completely screws everything or question five before question one. And present the evidence, not this time, but this next time. So you have to hit the questions with the evidence. And it mattered less on the facial tics. While they said, oh, this is new technology. We changed it so you can, there's really facial tics and behavioral patterns that'll change. But looking at those guides, it didn't. Yeah, the the facial tic thing was a red herring. That actually kind of screwed us a bunch of times. Well, so, I, I seem to recall even some of the evidence being red herrings too. Like it, yeah, true. Back back when I initially played this, I recall reading reviews that would talk about how like you could actually punish yourself in game if you spent too much time at the crime scenes trying to gather evidence because you would, if you combed the whole place and found extra stuff, it could co- sort of confuse you about what you should be presenting as evidence against the the accused right so and and i don't know if they changed it with the remaster because there were extra items of evidence at the crime scenes but when you would pick it up uh the main character cole phelps would just be like nope this isn't relevant and it would not go into your notebook yeah maybe because i know they, they made a few tweets including even how they described your choices in interrogation too right So, lastly, I mean, what we should really talk about, the game is called L.A. Noir. We should talk about the story and the idea of noir. Uh, I think it it does capture the essence of of what noir should be, to some extent. Um, The main character, Cole Phelps, is sort of your noir anti-hero, but... He's kind of a wiener, <laughs> and listening to him talk and and be kind of self-righteous a lot of times was another thing that really wore out. So this, you're on traffic the first desk, then the homicide desk. The, the banter while you're driving from one place to another between Phelps and your partner, to me, became almost unbearable your partner in that one was so annoying i mean they were both just annoying phelps was a wiener and your partner was just kind of an asshole and every case was about domestic abuse and so when you're driving to the case the partner's always like oh yeah the husband did it it's always them i've been divorced three times people are always beating on their wife and it's just like god shut up just stop talking, for love of God. It really, that, it was the thing, we had a lot of fun in the traffic desk, and things started to wear thin on the homicide desk. And those missions, some of them were like two to two and a half hours long, and then we still had two more desks after we finished that off. Um, when you go to Vice, again, your partner in Vice is the, like, he's in on the crimes kind of Vice cop. Also very annoying. 
Um, and then, and then Phelps becomes just kind of more whiny and self-righteous. And they, they weave in this story about Phelps's experiences in World War II, along with some of the side characters. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. And then another side story, including the characters, as you pick up newspapers, it gives you a little video. Um, yep. I think that those interstitials were nice, and it was a nice way to present the story. Um, but then there's a lot going on, and it does that thing where it seemed like the guy at the developer was like, hey, guys, we're kind of running out of time. Let's just wrap this up real quick. Because Eric and I had played four marathon sessions, uh, and so we were down to the last mission, and we set aside part of Monday to just do the last one because at this point we were expecting it to take two hours at least, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were walking his dog, and I was like, you know what would be funny? If the last mission turns out to be 15 minutes long. And he was like, well, I'll just be pissed off if it just ends in a shootout uh, the way the traffic desk did. <laughs> and it was actually both of those things. The mission was 10 to 15 minutes long, ending with a shootout. And so the ending was really disappointing, even though, you know, if you... This was like a Reddit controversy. People are on two camps of whether or not they like the ending. And I do agree that it it is sort of a noir ending. Spoilers, you know, Phelps dies... Um, his friend Kelso, who you get to play as in the latter missions, um, is actually kind of the hero. He helps partly break up this um, crime conspiracy with the chief of police and a property developer and so on and so on. Um, you know, one thing that would have helped the game is if you had switched characters earlier on. It was a little bit weird to switch so close to the end but yeah. also very refreshing and Kelso was a lot less annoying as a character um, I think he, he fit the, the noir bill a little bit more so it does sound like I hate this game we kind of were re you know Eric and I have consistently been playing through games together on the weekends. And this one, it, it started off really fun. I liked the idea. I liked what it was offering with this whole crime-solving mystery thing. But it had a lot of flaws. And it it just, at the and, end of the day... Hold on, when weighing, in, weighing in on some of these flaws live, uh, we have Eric Getty Gettinger, who I've been texting. Uh, here we go. Side missions popping up on the literal other side of the map. Uh, we had one person where we gave clear incriminating evidence and the guy was like, no. And in the next scene, he was like, ha ha, you never realized it was my clothing in the dead girl's house. And I was like, fuck you. That's literally what I said. I'm trying to say this yeah. in a Getty voice. He was salty about that one particularly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said that... Uh, it was half-ass tied up with a, an, an ending with a film of everyone incriminating themselves. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one mission where you go to an old uh, movie studio 
and the four prominent public figures who are in on this like real estate scam there is a film reel like a 35 millimeter <laughs> reel of them sitting around at a table smoking cigars like yeah we're all in on this crime ha 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 and then you don't take the film reel with you yeah I guess I'll go ahead and interject here and just let you know, Steve, uh, your intuition about budget issues is correct. So back then, it was widely reported that the whole facial recognition technology they developed was, real expensive. was really expensive mm-hmm. and sort of a lot of the resources were dumped into that. And actually, the studio, I'm pretty sure, shuttered after this game came out because I don't think it sold quite as well as they expected either. The, the branch of Rockstar that at the time that made this. Gotcha. I mean, would I like to see games that branch out into mechanics? I, I mean, it, it is compelling enough on its own that they offered this kind of experience, like really trying to solve crimes and interview people as close as you can get in like a PlayStation game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that, and I appreciate that ambition. And I, I, it was a really good idea. It was just a lot of the other loose ends that I think ended up, and the fact that the game was just sort to me, it seemed very apparent that it was built on top of the GTA structure, and that doesn't really make any sense for what the game contained and and for how it suggested naturally that you play it. You know, GTA could have the cardboard buildings because, you know, you're just going to run over prostitutes with your Ferrari or whatever. <laughs> yep. This isn't that game. And nope. so that, that open world, they could have given you more of an incentive to explore L.A. of old and bring in the history some more. But, you know, some of the mechanics could have been cleaned up where there's just a lot, like, you're not going to steal any cars. The best car that you have in any given scenario is your police car because it has the siren, you know? So it's like a lot of little things that added up. And and so that was my, you know, long-winded L.A. Noir experience. And it was an experience. And I'm still not sure, you know... I think Eric and I are pretty salty at the end of this game. Eric's wife really hated it. Uh, she's kind of been like passively playing all the games with us. And I think this is the one that she's vocally disliked the most. And and was just like, when is this game going to be over? And given that it had such an anticlimactic ending, man, that made it really unsatisfying. Okay. So with that, I feel like we're now experts at reading people. And murder. That was a lie, if you couldn't tell. But now, let's take a break. I'm gonna accuse you with this dirty old sock. Oh god, no. Let's go. And we're back with IRL, where we talk about stuff that we did in the real world that is relatively interesting to pertaining to our podcast. Real shit. This week, 
Uh, Steve, me, and Getty went to C2E2, the Comic Book and Entertainment Expo. Steve, Getty, and I. Screw <laughs> Steve. I'll use whatever order I Resident want. Resident grammar expert. He is a writer. Steve, did you enjoy your time at C2E2, the comic convention? I absolutely did. For me, it's it's just kind of a lot of the fun is being there with you guys, but I also like a good people watch. And uh, I even went with our friend Nate to some panels. Um, Funimation always brings something interesting to the table. We had a build-your-own-gaming-PC demo that was enlightening. And did you drink a bunch of soda pop? And I drank an inhuman amount of soda pop, uh, which was also... I mean, the profit margin on that was... You know, I was paying like $3 an ounce of soda. I mean, again, if you drink enough of it, they're yeah, paying you it pays you to for drink. itself, basically, yeah. Yeah, they're paying you to drink. It would be uh, foolish for me to not drink it. Now, uh, as for me, I just want to uh, say that I was there for doing front row network interviews. Uh, the one that stood out to me was a... Um, I got to interview John Carpenter's wife who is a CEO of his company and everything that they do. And they bring horror to all ages. They have everything for all ages, including children's books. Just want to say it again. Horror children's books. Wait, is that like the Tales of the Crypt cartoon type stuff? They said that they were doing it where it wasn't like scary, scary, quote unquote. It was more for just uh, making it kind of suspenseful for littler kids, but... I was like, that's an interesting idea. I just, I, I would have to research and further how they pulled it off. But they said, yeah, we go age five and up. I was like, man. Well, it's kind of like Goosebumps right. did that for like fifth graders. You know what I mean? Yeah, but even that age seems more appropriate. But again, she was a lovely lady. And the other one was I was interviewing a, an author of a science fiction book series. Uh, I forget her name right now. It is Lisa... And then I can't remember the last name, but I'm doing this interview and I, my, my phone's kind of blowing up, but I'm being professional and I am ignoring and my, my phone. And then I finally do look at it and it is Steve, or not Steve, Getty had seen me in the interview room from the show floor because I was, was a couple floors above and it was a big window <laughs> and he was taking candid photos and texting them to me. Yeah, he sent those to me, too. I was asking how it was going, and he just sent me peep shots from the floor. <laughs> it's like, thanks, guys. Uh, her name was Lisa Huang, and she she was interesting because she was a mathematician over at MIT and also a stunt double and firearms expert, and she was writing a young adult book sci-fi series about a secret agent who thwarts villains by using advanced math. Oh, talk about hedging your bets in profession. That Right? She was very entertaining and very, a very interesting person to talk to. But other than that, I took photos at cosplay uh, booths and I hung out with Steve and drank some of his soda. Very it was awesome. real good. Yeah. Nice community soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's then, how uh, the coronavirus spreads, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I didn't even think about Backwash that. Backwash city. <laughs> oh, also, there is a DDR variant that I have found that I really like. I never got into DDR. I never got into any of those those rhythm-based games. And this one is just a straight floor panel. And it, it, it goes by left foot, right foot, and it tracks your feet. 
So you have to actually move the left foot here and then it'll have a button come across and it's all on the big screen, but the floor panel reads which foot is your left foot and your right foot. And then it'll say, put your right foot over your left and hit a spot on the panel. It's really neat because it starts making you do the running man because you have to put your foot down on a panel and sometimes it'll show a thing where it'll slide across the screen. So you have to slide your foot across and it'll make you do left, right, left, right. Like you're doing the running man. So it is a lot of fun. Uh, because again, it's it's not strict to buttons on a panel like DDR. It is just straight one big board, and it tracks. And the next DDR. steps, they're gonna make hmm. you carry like motion sensors for your hands, like a Wiimote. And now you gotta do the bus stop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I played it when I went to Japan uh, last year, and now I uh, got to play it at C two E two again. And I was like, man, I gotta play some of that some more. But. That was my time at C2E2. Nice. Now, now let's move on to one last thing. One last thing is where we give one last sentence, one last statement to send us into the weekend and you, the listener, into the new week. For me, I'm looking forward to guest month because we've had you two lovely gentlemen. So thank you guys That's for joining us. You're welcome. And then we have Big Deal Blake from A Brew With You coming on as well as those pesky gaming fix guys they're always up to something and i intend to find out what joel so you know we talked about that mario denim levi deal uh do do you guys think if sonic signed a deal for merchandise like that it'd be furry costumes running shoes yeah i was gonna say track jackets hmm that's all Mm. those are all very good i see him on those cool track jackets where they used to have, you know, Bugs Bunny sagging his pants and the Tasmanian Devil. Oh, I guess those. <laughs> that was like oh, the most yeah, 90s yeah, yeah. thing you could have Absolutely. said right now. <laughs> that was very 90s. All right, Phil? Oh, man, I'm trying to finish The Witcher 3. All the side quests got my OCD just triggering left and right. I just need to get through that. It's a, it's a lot of game, man. Uh, yeah, you're telling me. Oh, by the way, that dancing game was called Dance Rush Stardom. It's good to know. Yeah, I'll remember that. <laughs> Steve? Uh, if there's anyone in the Super GG community who is willing to play games with me, please, I'm desperate. No one will play Borderlands 3 or uh, The Division 2. And I, I, I need some, I need some, some playmates. I'm getting there, Steve. I'll, I, I will get on. You never will. Play. You're a liar. <laughs> also, <laughs> one of the games that Eric and I played that I really enjoyed, and we never really had the opportunity to talk about it, but that Call of Cthulhu game. Yep. Uh, as, as like jank and lo-fi as it was at times, was one of the most fun games that we've played and and kind of is on the whole like mystery mysterious you know story unfolding thing so a shout out to that game that was a quality game and i think we all enjoyed it alex you played it with us a little bit i did it seemed like you all had a good time yeah and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where me and Beth finished Vitamin Connection and it is now on our YouTube channel. She needed a break, so Multiplayer Monday is back to just being me. Maybe Steve. 
Uh, Joel, you guys are close to finishing Grease? Grease? How's Kelly liking that? Uh, she enjoys it quite a bit. I am too. It's just, it's one of those 2D indie platformers that has a distinct art style and is telling a story through its gameplay. So, uh, in a busy field, but it's definitely very stark and pretty. Can't wait to watch some more of that. Also, I think that Metal Gear Kevin has figured out his network problem, so he should be back this Friday. Or else I'm going to cancel him. Best show on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com. And provide a review on iTunes, please. That helps us so much if we get reviews on these different apps. It'll make us... Recommend us to your friends. Mm-hmm. It'll make us more visible to other people. Steal your friends' phones and review us on their behalf. Let's get some of this NPR traffic. There we go. Uh, so provide a review on iTunes or the flashback mechanic of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG, Phil. GG, Alex. Good game, Steve. GG, guys. GG, Joel. Good game. Good night, everybody. Three. Three, two, one. Boop. <laughs> I don't think that'll look as good on as the wave. He winds up the wave, Steve. That, that's, you know, you want me to be really honest? You know how we count down to stop recording every night when we do this? Yeah. I line up our audio tracks by that still and then try to align it after that. Okay. So, honestly, Alex, the boop is even better. It has a clearly defined transient. God damn it, Steve. I don't know what that means, so I can't argue with you. Let's go. God damn. Check it. Check it.